1: Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code radio20 at bloomberglive.com slash greenfestival. Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com slash podcasts.
0: The Washington Post and New York Times have reported that President Trump wanted to fire Robert Mueller in June 2017, something that Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal called stunning.
2: This report shows there's now a
1: credible case of obstruction of justice.
0: But even if Mueller has an obstruction case, Bloomberg News is now reporting that he may put any charges on hold as he finishes other key parts of his probe into Russian election meddling. Kevin Whitelaw, Bloomberg News deputy managing editor, stops in uh, for more on this story in our Bloomberg one studios in Washington. And Kevin, this was a nice scoop by our team. What does it say?
3: Well, that's exactly right we do know that um, you know we're uh, Muller's in the final stages of the obstruction part of his probe he's got a couple of key outstanding interviews um, that he's uh, that that he might want to pursue we uh, understand he's in negotiations with uh, President Trump's lawyers about an interview with the president um, uh, there's another witness uh, to a number of key events that Mueller's uh, studying who has yet to be interviewed as far as we know and that's Donald Trump Jr. Uh, those are two high-profile interviews, but the, sort of the sequencing of how you sort of hold those interviews and close out a portion of this probe um, is very is a very complicated decision for him, given that there's other aspects of the probe that are um, going to take weeks or months to to complete. And so there's a, a, a growing sense and growing belief that there's a chance Mueller could, even if he decides to essentially conduct the interviews and effectively wrap up the probe, he may essentially keep his findings, you know, withhold his findings for a while, while he then turns his attention to other elements of the probe and, 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 and goes from there.
1: Bloomberg News is reporting that also factoring into this is that witnesses may become less cooperative in other parts of the probe and the president might make a move if he if if that comes out about um, about obstruction to shut it down
3: well that's right you have the problem where you um, if the, to the degree that Mueller makes charges then that per- potentially provokes one set of conflicts, if he effectively clears um, anybody on this side of it, then that's suddenly going to say, hey, it's time to wrap up. Let's go. And and uh, we, know, we know for various reasons he's got weeks and months of work on a number of different areas in the probe. So um, he's Got all of that hanging over his head, along with obviously the, the the sort of more existential threat of the president deciding to try to find a way to to, to simply fire him if he gets too close. So there are a number of uh, uh, of those calculations that factor in. We do know there are several key episodes that uh, uh, that Mueller and his team are focusing on for and just sort of trying to figure out whether there was indeed any effort to obstruct justice. And those include a couple of key meetings. Uh, one was uh, uh, discussed the, the the decision to fire. Uh, FBI Director James Comey. Uh, The other was uh, a a discussion aboard Air Force One over the uh, uh, response to reports about uh, a meeting organized at Trump Tower that included Trump Jr. and Jared Kushner, the president's son-in-law. So walk us through
0: the timing on all of this, uh, uh, keeping in mind that there's uh, something happening uh, this November. Uh, what is it? Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, yeah. yeah some kind of midterms. election. Yeah.
3: yeah. I mean, I, we don't really have a lot of, of information on the timing. Um, Mueller doesn't have a deadline, per se, other than maybe a political one. So he, he's made it clear through his methodical approach so far that he's going to take the investigation wherever he thinks it needs to go. Uh, but at the same time, I, I don't think he's looking for ways to to stretch it out. So um, he's clearly feeling pressure to, to keep moving. We've seen a succession of indictments and plea deals, uh, including an indictment of 13 Russians for social media activity during the election. We are expecting at some point there to be another set of indictments of another indictment of a set of Russians for hacking. We, we haven't seen that yet. We're we're We have reason to believe that that's in the works. Um, And so that's one of the next things we're looking for that could effectively come at any time. And and there's still other aspects of the probe that we've had a lot less visibility into, including questions of how deep, if at all, uh, Mueller really is going into the finances of either the president, Trump org, or uh, Jared Kushner's company. So there's a lot of questions we still don't know. Even as we 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 have some some new insight into some of the decision making and uh, uh, processes that are that are going on right now.
1: So Mueller has to prove corrupt intent on Trump's part for the obstruction part of the case if he intends to go after him for obstruction. And could he be putting the obstruction case on hold because he wants to talk to Trump? And his attorney and Trump's attorneys have been fighting that tooth and nail.
3: Well, you know, it's it's interesting. The the you know, as we understand it, Trump's legal team has actually been in negotiations since late last year. Um, negotiations that we're told have actually gone on relatively smoothly and constructively, but with um, no
1: end in sight. Well, there's still what, no, what, no interview. Yeah, but,
3: but what's unclear though is where the de- which side the delay is on. Um, uh, there does seem to have been a flurry of activity. Uh, with with Mueller that uh, uh, has, in other words, just his investigation continuing. So, you know, you saw Steve Bannon meet with Mueller a few weeks ago. You know, the president's going to be essentially the last or one of the last interviews that Mueller would want to have when it comes to an obstruction case. So he wants to interview absolutely everybody, and it feels like there's a couple more alleyways and side doors that that Mueller wanted to go down before he gets that interview there is a very good question though as to whether or not as to when that interview would actually happen and and if if there is a delay um you know a lot of he said she said over over which side might be responsible for it
0: also, want to remember that there are these investigations going on on the Hill. Um, the House Intelligence Committee investigation has obviously kind of, you know, broken down to a, a part into a partisan mess. But where does the Senate uh, Intelligence Committee investigation stand?
3: Well, that's still basically the, the – there's two investigations in the Senate. That's the truly sort of – you know, the, the, the most serious of them, the most bipartisan of them that's ongoing. The Judiciary Panel is continuing to look at certain aspects with elements and glimpses of bipartisan work. But the Senate Intelligence Panel is where uh, you are seeing a, a much fuller effort to try to be bipartisan. Having said that, there are disputes over what public hearings might still be held before this thing is wrapped up. And that seems to be one of the biggest outstanding questions that they have uh, as to whether or not that will have a bipartisan conclusion to it. But in the meantime, they are aiming to release an interim report on election security ahead of the midterms. Uh, That's something that we could tell that obviously Mueller was – interested in, given the indictment of the the social media, uh, uh, the Russians doing the social media attacks, the Senate Intelligence Committee also has a a lot of interest in this topic. So that's a report we could see in the coming days or weeks.
1: Kevin... It seems as if Mueller is going into different areas. Is that because we're just learning about those areas, or he is actually expanding the investigation?
3: That, that's a very, very good question, and and um, you know I think it's probably a little bit of both. This is a this is investigations very complex, and because the Mueller team is basically as tight as basically any of these organiz- uh, as any probe like this has ever been, leaks are very selective and tend to come. Um, in some cases, from from the witnesses, and some of those might be self-serving or, or or carrying out a grudge or whatever, and others are legitimately real real information. So sorting through. What's real, what's not is is a challenge, sorting through what's new and what's not is a challenge. Um, but there do seem to be some areas that have come to light in recent weeks or months that do seem to be genuinely new to the probe. And I think everyone's still trying to figure out exactly what this means and how seriously Mueller's taking these things. I mean, remember, I'd caution, just because he asked a witness about a particular topic doesn't mean he's fully investigating that topic. These are hours and hours of interviews he's doing with each witness or his he team is like doing. He looks like a
1: serious guy. <laughs>
3: Well, that's right. But he's going to be asking a lot of questions. And some of the things are the ones he's going to be targeting and others are just going to be testing the waters. And it's very hard to sort through all of that from from the outside. Kevin Whitelaw, Bloomberg News Deputy Managing Editor. Thank you.
1: Our nations and U.S. customers harmed by President Trump's steel and aluminum tariffs face a slow legal fight challenging the tariffs, and the role of U.S. courts in the global dispute is likely to be limited. Joining me is Matt Gold, adjunct professor of law at Fordham University and former deputy assistant U.S. trade representative. Matt, countries can complain to the World Trade Organization, but that is less like litigation and more like a dispute settlement process. Explain the process. If a foreign country claims against makes a claim against the US there?
2: Sure, I'd be glad to Um, The process has three basic stages. The first stage is what's known as consultations. It's like an opportunity to settle the case before you're into litigation itself. The parties are required to engage in consultations, but if consultations are going nowhere, within a relatively short period of time, the countries that brought the case can call them to an end and move on to the next stage. Um, The next stage is a panel, um, a three-member panel, uh, uh, which is essentially... Litigating before a three judge court. The panelists are experts. They're from countries that are not, uh, um, that don't have an interest in the dispute. Um, And that litigation can take uh, one to two years um, or a little bit more or less, depending on the complexity of the case. Uh, And the third stage is appealing the panel decision to the WTO appellate body, which for a major case like this is almost a certainty.
1: So, in the end, the WTO can tell a country to stop violating the rules, but, is it, but does it have any real power or is it world perception at work?
2: Oh, no, it has quite real power. Uh, it's the one international court that has real power to enforce uh, international law, the law that imparts rights and obligations to governments. Um, the power it has is to authorize retaliation, um, to authorize a country. Uh, If if other countries demonstrate, for example, the United States has violated WTO rules at the end of the process, the the WTO appellate body um, will first, the appellate body rules that the U.S. has violated the um, WTO agreements and explains why and how it gives the United States a chance to bring itself into compliance. But then the fourth and last stage, if the United States fails to to, uh, change what it's doing, uh, is to authorize retaliation. Then there's really a fourth procedure by which the countries that took us to court propose to the appellate body what kind of retaliation they want to engage in. It'll be some kind of trade barriers against U.S. goods or services going to their countries. Uh, and then the WTO appellate body will authorize specific uh, such trade barriers, specific retaliation.
1: The EU has already threatened to retaliate against the U.S. Might it do that before going to the WTO?
2: Well, there's always a risk of that. Um, That would really send us into a downward spiral. The whole point of the WTO dispute resolution process is to give countries uh, a legal mechanism for retaliation so that we don't run into, you violated the treaty and in response, we're going to violate the treaty and everything goes into a downward spiral that collapses the global trading system. Um, Instead, The process, first of all, gives the countries uh, an opportunity to settle disputes. Second of all, it's a process where it takes a little bit of time so everyone can can sort of have cool heads. Um, It gives the country that's violating the rules a chance to get its own political act in order because usually there's some kind of domestic political uh, um, forces pushing the violation, um, and they have some time to, to, to fix that. But at the end of the day, if, if the um, retaliation is authorized by the WTO, then the retaliation is not another violation. Um, and that also sort of helps everything from going into an uncontrolled downward spiral.
1: So the Trump administration has already exempted Mexico and Canada from the tariffs. They may make more exceptions. How does that affect the U.S. argument before the WTO that the tariffs are based on national security needs?
2: Uh, the U.S. N- never had a winning argument before the WTO. Um, there's two different sets of law here there's the u s law and there's the international law. Um, on the international level, in order for the United States to impose trade barriers that we would otherwise not be entitled to impose under our trade agreement obligations, uh, if we 're using national security as our reason, um, we would have to have we 'd have to either be in time of war or we 'd have to be in an emergency in international relations, which is generally understood to be the things that happen right before you're actually in a war, um, but in any event, um, we don't have either. We, we we have nothing that could even be close to an emergency in international relations. What we have are U.S. government officials that can envisage an unlikely but theoretically possible future scenario where there would be a World War Three. Global ocean shipping would be disrupted. We would not be able to import steel or aluminum uh, in meaningful quantities because they need to go by ocean freight, not air freight, uh, and we wouldn't have sufficient capacity for our own domestic economy during that disruption. The fact that you can envisage a theoretical but unlikely future does not even come close to you currently right now having an emergency, Uh, so there's no question that we don't qualify uh, for that um, that uh, national security exception that's in the General Agreement on Tariffs and Trade, the GATT Article Twenty One, and as a result, we are violating our normal bindings with respect to the um, the duties that the ordinary customs duties that we're allowed to impose uh, on these goods. So we never had an argument. Um, our, our our complete absence of argument uh, to defend ourselves in the WTO is a, a more complete absence of argument. But the big difference, though, that it does make um, is under U.S. law. Even if the U.S. were authorized under WTO rules to impose these barriers, there still would be the question of whether the Congress.
1: We'll have or to the leave president. it at that. We'll pick we'll pick this up again. I'm sure, Matt. Thanks so much. That's Matt Gold of Fordham Law School. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com/podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.